0: Welcome to Department of Homelander Security, the officially unofficial podcast for The Boys on Amazon Prime Video. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 4, titled Nothing Like It in the World. Aaron, what did you think of this episode?
1: There's certainly nothing like The Boys in the World. Uh, That's true, yeah. The stuff, the fucked up stuff they get up to with the doppelganger character... (laughs) my god yeah it's you know i i because i i my mind goes through the gamut when he lands and goes in that cabin and she's there i'm like is this some kind of robot that vaught has constructed the you know is this uh uh stan edgar's ace up a sleeve is this some genetically engineered thing is he having a psychotic break you're sure. Dream
0: sequence. Uh, uh, she she didn't really die. This was she like had a clone that he killed to make it look right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's there's in like the, the simplest answer is the one that ends up being correct is like, oh, there's another soup that's a, you know, that's that's a classic superhero power. Be able to, you know, the mystique it up mm-hmm. and he's got the schlubby middle aged mystique that he's <laughs> he's bullying into to be in his sex mommy again. Yep. Um. I I thought it was I thought it was a good episode, and there's a lot of like well crafted narratives in like people being forced to make parallel uh, decisions, like Butcher's wife Becca having to go her separate way, um, because Billy can't handle having a superpowered child, yep. and you know that that also mirroring um star starlights uh, having to go or separate ways from Huey because it's so dangerous what they're doing. And they're both similar because they like, you know, they have this kind of like connection, this intense connection before the very intense disconnection. I thought it was pretty nice. It's pretty nice. uh, Mid-season kind of like over the hump uh, plot. Uh, What did you think?
0: Yeah, I I really like that stuff with starlight and Huey. I think um, that one scene where they kind of, lay out all the pressures they're living under, right? Like, oh, here's, you know, they're con- comparing their stress peens, right? Um, like, here's what I'm living under. Oh, yeah, here's what I'm living under. Uh, and and Annie's just like, I feel like there's a loaded gun pointed in my face every single day. And And how this road trip has given her a slight reprieve from that, right? She doesn't feel yeah. that pressure. And like, it says so much about like, how good they could be for each other if they weren't in this completely fucked up situation. Um, and and it's, it's sad in some ways it's, it's delightful to see in others. And like, I, I'm I'm really connecting with those two characters now. Uh, and the rest of it, I mean, like the deep stuff is kind of hilarious, uh, as it has been. And I I do wonder where they're going with that. I think, you know, as someone with, uh, who is familiar with the cult life, let's say, uh, uh, I feel an intense, like dread over, uh, over what's coming. What I know, like I can see all the mechanisms at work here, right? Like this can, these control mechanisms. It's, it's so fucked up. Um, and I know that he's just digging in deeper and deeper here with every step. Uh, it, it really sets off alarms in my head and, and it's great. Um the Butcher stuff, I I guess I didn't think I would care much about like Butcher's reuniting with his wife, because Butcher's a character that encourages you not to like him in a lot of ways. Um or not to really want to see him super happy.
1: Yeah, he is kind of like this antagonist protagonist. You're broadly because yeah, like when Becca was running down all the reasons they that she can't go back into a relationship with him, it makes absolute sense, you know, yeah. like everything she's leveling as an accusation and he just doesn't get it. Like, um, yeah, they've they've lived a very different life, had very different priorities the last 10 years. And it it shows. And I, I also like that they're starting to flesh out, like especially Mother's Milk, this episode, Marvin. Yeah. Um, but given Frenchie, uh, like I, I I was shocked at his like drug, you know, uh, destructive self-destructive drug use this episode. Like he, that's just like his go-to. I don't remember if they established that, um, in season one or if he's just in a lot and like how, um, I guess they've done a pretty good job of showing that he's fairly emotionally immature. He's very childlike in a lot of ways. And you, you saw that in full display this episode, like some of the mistakes he makes. Um, yeah, I'm having. I I still like. I get Huey. He just drives me fucking crazy, man. Uh, yeah, his inability to be like emotionally honest, and the few times when he is, he tries to walk it back because oh god, I've you know I overshared or whatever. Right, right. It's, he starts feeling self
0: conscious about it, and
1: yeah, it's not unbelievable. It's just annoying, you know. Sure. As a seeing the, it's it's like. Um, legitimate in the same way that like I guess it would could be annoying to watch you know Don Draper do self-destructive things on the mat it's it's still it's not that you you hate watching him or whatever it's just I'm I'm half the time watching his scenes of starlight like what you know hands in front of my face peeking out between fingers like oh my god what is this <laughs> horror show what, and he's why? being pulled in two directions right he's got Annie who's trying to pull him
0: over toward expressing everything to her right and he's got butcher right. who's who's saying shut that shit down You're weak. We don't have time for this bullshit. (laughs) Like, sure, he's he's trying to be both of these people in two different scenarios, and it's tearing him apart.
1: Uh, Especially since, like, I feel like Starlight is the type of person who would you could level with all the time. You know, like she seems like she's remarkably well adjusted for the upbringing she's had and the experiences that she's gone through. Um, So it's like watching him play these weird games, and she's just not like. It's 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 like watching someone trying to play basketball against the other person's just standing on the court like what what's all this dribbling going on. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, and and he's just I don't know. There's,
1: there's something really pathetic about him to baby Huey here. Yeah. Um, I, that's I they, they, they again that they're going to pivot into John Connor. I'm, I'm just very curious to see if they give this guy a spine as he's if he's going to get a spine and it'd be hilarious if it was actually a physical like he gets a cyborg spine. You know, a literal spine injection. Um, but but it's like, yeah, he's just kind of like a boneless fish in he, his early he, season. He injects compound V and it just gives him a really hard spine. <laughs> uh, yeah, gives him an adamantium backbone and that's all he needed. That's all he needed. Yep. I actually went back and watched one of the
0: episodes from season one where Homelander was confronting uh, Starlight about, you know, fraternizing with the enemy here with Huey and, and just mm-hmm. his dismissal of Huey as this weak, ineffectual person. And yeah, I mean, Huey has definitely been that in the past. And I think this season he's trying to step up. Um, that whole thing I think was, you know, our wrench was thrown in that when Butcher showed back up and just started being the daddy again. But like, yeah, I, at some point there has to be a real confrontation between them, right? Something where Huey steps up and either You know, either comes to terms with being the beta here in this relationship, whatever, or expresses like, look, you're you're out, I'm in, this group needs me more than it needs you, you're harming us more than helping, I don't know.
1: They we'll might be that setting happens. that up now because Butcher has once again left the team for his the, the yeah. pursue his own. And it's wild because I thought the language they're telling the last episode was him putting that to the side. Uh-huh. Um, I guess and but maybe Becca, he was, but like, then Colonel Colonel gave just gave him. He's like, okay, well, yeah. I guess I'm gonna you know try to help the other, and then the Colonel just gave him. So that all tracks. Uh-huh. But I think you know it was portrayed by on mother by by mother as like a betrayal. Uh, Huey's already over him, and Frenchie, if he ever so you know cleans out and recognizes a betrayal as well, it, it'll it'll be inter- Yeah, I, I I can I can I can see the pieces. It's just the the big piece in the middle. Huey needs he needs a final transfusion. <laughs> something. I
0: guess that's the thing. Like as as Becca points out in this episode, you know he's on a path. He's got patterns that he falls into. Butcher does, and, and I wonder if Mother and and Frenchie and Huey are going to see that like. Because yeah. he does, he leaves, he comes back when it's convenient for him, he's there, when it's not he's gone, like that's that's a pattern that he's falling into and I wonder if they're going to let him get away with it for much longer.
1: Are you rooting, let me, are you alert, rooting for Starlight and Huey to be together?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Are you really? I okay. feel like a dipshit for rooting for it, but yeah. <laughs> I
1: was like, I guess, I can't tell if like I'm I'm on guard because I feel like this is the type of show that will might kill one of these characters like, mm-hmm. you know, uh Game of Thrones style in season 3 to, to be shocking cuz it's got that DNA. So like, I'm not sure if I'm just not uh, or if I think Starlight and Huey could be to do better. You know, like Huey, this is a the definition of a rebound relationship for him, right? Yeah. Like it's like he's still grieving the tragic loss of his girlfriend and you know he's 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 now this like a very impressive, beautiful woman is taking an interest in him. Is you know this the actual thing he needs in his life or is it the thing in front of him that he can't say no to? And for her, yeah, what is like how in the world is Huey um I, I guess even though he's a mere mortal, he's embroiled in this superhero politics stuff. So maybe he can't understand the like life and death shit the way a lot of people wouldn't. Um, but you know, she doesn't have a lot of relational miles under her belt too. So just from a human storytelling perspective, it's highly unlikely. It seems to me that these two would end up together, tr- uh, setting aside tragedy. So, but yeah and, yeah, and if they continue on the path they're on. You know, Hugh
0: has got to be more honest with her like that's that's all she's really asking from him is just be honest with me don't don't hide shit don't try and protect me and and everybody's telling him that right like she's a big girl right take care of herself uh she's she's a bigger girl than you are a boy so fucking <laughs> treat her like it right and yeah yeah I, I don't know he hugh is is somehow reluctant to do that uh, he thinks he's protecting her by keeping her out of this which
1: and I think it's also his insecurity, right? Like if he's yeah. honest with her, then she'll under she'll know that he's not special, and that he's yeah. clingy and emotional and all this. Like if he's honest about it, then she'll she's in love with the fiction. Just she's worked up in her mind about him, and he's worried about being exposed. So, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I don't know. I, I like this episode. I, it's not as like thrilling from the the Homelander Vought Stan Eggers. Kind of angle that I really loved about last episode, Uh but well, probably get back smart to that, from a, I'm sure.
1: Probably smart from a pacing perspective yeah. to like give that that battle royale a little bit of space to breathe, or even like throw Stormfront in. Uh-huh. Um That might be is that is it possible to uh, Stan Eggard That's his plan is just to have Homelander uh, embroiled in a, a useless power struggle within the seven that keeps the focus off of him, so he can do the behind the scenes maneuvering. To continue to yeah. put vought on top. I mean, that's what I was thinking
0: last episode. Um, there's a new wrinkle here uh, with Stormfront potentially being Liberty. Uh, the the mm. long time. Didn't see that coming. Superhero. Did not
1: see that coming.
0: No. Um, so there might be more to it now um, that we know that information. But yeah, I, I do think Edgar, part of Stan's plan is to keep Homelander distracted. Um, not let him get involved in the power politics they're playing out on the global scale right yeah just keep it all about the
1: boys club yeah that is the stand doesn't give a shit about Mm -hmm. all right uh let's get into the recap Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. All new Pulp and Prestige this week. On Tuesday, we'll cover the latest episode of The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live on Pulp. And on Thursday, we'll catch up with the latest Samurai subterfuge on FX Hulu's Shogun.
0: Then on our House of the Dragon feed, Anthony puts on his Maester's class on Monday. and Then on Thursday, Steve joins him for Electric Bukaloo as they continue their discussion of George R.R. Martin's
1: A Clash of Kings. Find these and many of our other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Prestige in your favorite podcast app.
0: We start off with a woman being interviewed, and she tells a story about getting engaged to a man whom she didn't realize wanted to remain childless, and she called the wedding off when she found out, and she thinks that communication
1: is the key to a
0: healthy relationship.
1: I thought these were so fucking mysterious the first time I watched this. Like, what is this? Like, is it going to be a commercial for superhero dating? Mm-hmm. Or what is the deal? And I still have a lot of questions, but it was an interesting kind of like mystery that it was like second time in a row where uh, I, I fire up the Amazon software and I'm like, God damn it, is the catalog What what is this? Is this yeah. desperate housewives dating on the internet? Like, it, it, it's slightly filmed differently. It's a completely different thing. And it, it, it put me off balance as a viewer, uh, right, mm-hmm. right away, which I think is kind of cool, but they're also a little bit of comic relief because, you know, some of these women seem like they're nightmares. Uh. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> some of the men that they're talking about are definitely nightmares. Absolutely. Um,
0: yeah. By the, by the end, when you understand, okay, these are, these are relationship auditions, uh, essentially, it, it puts into perspective like what the church wants for the deep, I guess, right? Um, here, she's talking about communication being the key, uh, and they don't really care about the communication between the wife and the husband here. Uh, they've got some other things in mind, and we'll talk about those when we get to the particular scenes, but this this is not the woman that he is going to end up with, we'll just say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Frenchie gets Blasted out of his mind uh, on coke. Coke looked like coke to me. Uh, and he he kisses Kamiko while she's seething about the death of her brother, which not a good idea. She rebuffs him with a hand to his throat, and he runs off. Yeah, partially crushed windpipe. Yeah, good way to good way to shut that shit down. Uh, I saw here on the news that her brother is being blamed for the death of the people in this apartment building, which of course yep. um, that's how the yep. the seven would spin it.
1: How Vaught would spin it. This deadly dead eyed foreign terrorists remorselessly killing all these, you know, hardworking Americans. Pretty. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the infuriating thing. Like this team, just everyone gets drugged through the mud. Hmm. And these
0: scenes with Kamiko and Frenchie are really just like setting stuff up for the future because there's not much in this episode for them. Um, We're just kind of learning how Frenchie feels about this whole situation. And, Kamiko's angry which obviously
1: yeah and it's wild because we don't know much about Frenchie, and like this this relationship has all been surfaced and it still feels like very surface level Yeah, and we did find more about Frenchie, but it seems to reinforce that like he's just infatuated this girl and doesn't really give a shit about what she needs or wants uh, now yeah. it might be his arc that he kind of matures and sees her as an actual person but um, you know we took a lot of this stuff as benign in the first, you know, that he's like, you know, uh, looking after her and like one of the few members of the team that gives a shit about her one way or another. But it's been revealed this last episode or two that that's kind of been a self-centered concern. Yeah. And I think that doesn't that's have good a lot color. to do about her as a person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. They're
0: putting some some decent color on this character now after, you know, a full season of nothing from him. Um yeah, I, I'm looking forward to what they do, but they don't do any of it here, right? Like, the, no. really, they're just saying they're setting the state of Frenchie, which right. is he is a a man child who's got something that he needs to deal with um, about his guilt over her brother and like all the all the people that have died. I I don't know his role in this whole thing. He's got to come. Yeah, the only
1: thing. The the thing they needed to do is disabuse us to the notion that Frenchie's just a good guy. You know, he's just a good yeah. guy. He's like like he seems like he's the the best of the boys, right? And they kind of reveal that, you know, when you peel his layers back, he's got a lot of fucked up shit going on under the hood too. Mm-hmm. Um so it's gonna yeah, like there's clear lines of growth for all these guys and I can't wait to see them go down it. All right. Homelander is watching Stormfront
0: uh and seething over her press. Uh she's arranging a protest against Bot.
1: Um, yeah, on the news, she's and, eschewing the multi-million-dollar patriotic commercials and going just just doing personal appeals. Late woman on the street, which you know, if if you're if you're storefront,
0: you've got to be questioning why Vought's letting you do this on their official channels. Um, why they're keeping you in the seven? I like how much do you think she's in on this? It is like this is planned with Stan.
1: uh, yes that's my working theory is that you know uh she went away to cover up some stuff she's this powerful super they had on the bench and he needs someone to contain homelander she needs a fresh start but it's also like um i'm curious to see because she's old she's real old and she's playing a very young hip uh very deeply racist person uh uh it's I'm I'm curious to see how they. It's it's almost like Shades of Twilight, you know that you've got this 17 uh, year old boy who actually is a Civil War veteran or some shit. You know, it's like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what's it like to be in that kind of cover? You know that like you're born in 1920 and you're racist because you're born in 1920, um, but now you also have to have all the like you got to be up on Periscope. Like imagine an 85 year old grandma. That's brand as being sexy and mm-hmm. anti-consumer on Periscope and Twitter and shit like that. Like that, that'd be, that'd be, that, that seems like that's, uh, that'd be something to be annoying at this, to say the least or, or hard oh, to yeah. do. I mean, you lived through the but Great yeah. Depression
0: and now here you are <laughs> getting, mm-hmm. making sure you get, you get hearts on Periscope. <laughs> like,
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I but I, I think it's interesting and I, I do. I, what do you think? You think she's... In in deep, yeah. I mean, she has to be. Um,
0: well, well. There's no
1: way Vought doesn't know, right? Vought has to know she's Liberty. They made
0: her. Vought absolutely has to know. They put her in this position for a reason. Um, and it seems like From everything. The, and at she's the very doing, top
1: level, this is a top-down decision.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Stan put her in there personally, so like mm-hmm. it, he understands. He he's got to he's got to know who she is, right? Um, both mm-hmm. as as the superhero. Liberty um, from the past, but also her her stance on the Vought Corporation and that she's going to get in there and mix shit up with their public image. That's part of what he's trying to do. And whether he's just trying to keep the seven occupied while Vought goes about their business or whether it's something more, I don't know yet, but mm-hmm. it remains to be seen. Yeah. Uh, they, they, I, I love the shot that they... That they give us when Homelander is watching her on the news, it's like shot right past his leg as he's like tapping it furiously. Right, he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. sitting there. Oh, he's so angry, and it—you see the leg energy. and passed it the her on the news, and it's mm-hmm. it's really good. Um, And yeah. then he flies off to this cabin where Madeline Stillwell, who I'll remind you was murdered by him last season. <laughs> In graphic uh, style, very graphic, unmistakably murdered. There's no chance mm-hmm. she survived that. Uh, welcomes mm-hmm. him to this cabin with a warm glass of milk and a makeout session, and this is a profound what the fuck scene. Like yes. like you mentioned in the beginning, you're you see this and you're like, okay, there are 50 scenarios I can think of where this could happen. What would the boys do here? And and I'll, I'll admit, I I was kind of a dumbass when it came to this scene. I was thinking, God, clones. The uh, uh, same. We're in a fucking superhero film, like shape shi- or series. Shapeshifting is a thing that superheroes do all yeah. the time. I should have. That should be a number one on my list. It was nowhere on my list.
1: I know, like the idea that this is some kind of mystique, kind of a Clayface figure. And what's wild is I'm watching Harley Quinn, the anime series on HBO Max, uh-huh. which has Clayface as a major character, and he's <laughs> transforming people all the time. Like, why? Why <laughs> the hell did I not make that connection?
0: I-, I feel like if they're doing such a good job of connecting me to some of these characters, and then and the intrigue mm-hmm. that's going on with the business and the public image—that's uh, that right. I just my mind is the laboratory just a superhero? Show half the yes. time, right? Like, yes. oh fuck! Of course, there would be a hundred thousand other people who Vaught has experimented on, who have various ranges of powers. I just get stuck in like, oh,
1: translucent and Homelander sure. and Starlight, and these are the power sets. No, they're all over the place, and especially it's what's really great is like this kind of reinvents this kind of Oz prison bitch relationship, where like you know this this gang of a prison boss has his favorite twink that he tattoos tits on their back, like uh-huh. forcing this dude to, to take a, the, this other, to be this other thing. And it, they established that it's like extremely painful, yeah. but he's got to do it. Cause what, you know, Homelander, what he's going to ask politely. Uh, and when they review, cause I'm thinking, okay, it's a laboratory robot manipulation, psychological thing. When it's just some dude that's being abused by Homelander, uh, it, then the second time it rolls around the stakes are are much higher and like the desperation the desperate tactics yeah. are uh like I was goddamn on the edge of my fucking seat the the second time they they had their their meetup. But yeah, yeah and they, we won't they completely see pulled one over. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh we, we won't see any more
0: of this guy. Obviously he's he's dead No he's gonna time.
1: hunt down another shapeshifter and make him assume Doppelganger as Madeline. <laughs> oh, God <laughs>
0: Uh, but I, I did appreciate the the twist where, like, it's painful to hold that form for a while because they don't usually do that.
1: Yeah. Right. It's like sucking in your gut. Like, you have to hold yeah, these muscles yeah. in a certain way. And, like, it's it, it's like trying to keep your arms above your head for an hour. It's just hard to do. Yeah. All right. Butcher meets Grace to
0: tell her that they've run out of leads on Raynard's killers. And she gives him the next clue, um, which is an address where Mother's Milk can go to ask about liberty. Uh, Grace also gives him the location of Becca, even though he couldn't hold up his end of the bargain. Um, Yeah, it's interesting
1: this this Colonel character that she's got this. uh, All these ghosts following her; all the the normal people have been killed by soups, and she envisions it in this massive crowd in Carnegie Hall, and they're all looking back at her. And uh, I thought it was was kind of poignant because it did feel Mm -hmm. like a, a plot shortcut. But yeah, no, I buy it. Like you know, she's at the end of her life; she's got a bunch of regrets. Uh, she was manip- she's um arch manipulator and she's manipulated this guy to and you kind of like hijacked his life for a decade. And she's at the end of her life. She's feeling real bad about it. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't want another pair of eyes staring back at her. I thought that this is a really good scene. And Carl Urban and and the colonel here uh, did a nice dance. Yeah. Yeah. Well-constructed scene. I, I sometimes just appreciate the
0: construction of the writing um, mm-hmm. and it, how it loops back in on itself. Uh, Homelander and Madeline watch Taxi Driver while he vents his frustration about being usurped by Stormfront as the face of the Seven. She suggests that he thin the Seven Herd and then Madeline morphs into a shape-shifting soup named Doppelganger. Homelander demands that Doppelganger change back even though it's very painful.
1: Yeah, and I also, because like, I remember the first time I was watching this, like, I start like, Madeline is very flirty and available at the beginning, but she, there's something about her looks strained. As uh-huh. the scene went on, like, and I was trying to think, like, are you getting bored of Homelander? Are you finding this tedious? Because holy shit, if he catches on, you're going to be dead. And when he just t- just turned in his middle aged dude, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Such a great, I like I said, I was I was wide open for the haymaker, uh, and yeah. it, it landed. And j- then it's like this, what the fuck? And then I felt really bad for his doppelganger, and you know, God, d- d- fuck Homelander, man, what
0: oh yeah what I mean, a terrible he's
1: the kind of guy that would see something redemptive about taxi driver <laughs> like right about the yeah character. he's like I, I can't wait to hear his f- crazy ideas about like fight club you know like or he's those ones to watch yeah. They, yeah they watch the movie and get all the wrong conclusions from it uh, um but I thought that was like when I saw that they're watching ta- I was like oh my god can you imagine sitting down this psychopath or trying to get him calmed down and feed him milk and he's like let's watch taxi driver Oh, fuck you know you don't want to do babe no you don't want to do babe or Uh, the Muppets the Muppets hmm. movie something like that you want okay taxi driver all right sure falling down yeah something relaxing why not
0: (laughs) Uh, so then M.M. tries to talk Butcher out of leaving uh, leaving the group to go off to find Mm -hmm. Becca on his own Butcher promises that M.M. will get his family back if he just follows up on this uh, Liberty lead. And he's not saying goodbye to the other boys, which none of this is sitting right with him. him. You know, the butcher leaving again, butcher not saying goodbye to the rest of the team. Like all of it, all of it just feels wrong to him, him.
1: Yeah. And when he tries to do the bro shake at the end and Mother's Milk does, but it's very unconvincing. And it's nice because like. I don't think Mother's Milk necessarily expected him to be the bigger person, say goodbye to Huey. But the Frenchie feels like a betrayal and like, yeah. oh, well, you know, he's blasted off his mind and drugs feels very thin to M.M. here. Uh, and yeah. uh, they I mean, it's, they sold all that for sure.
0: Yeah, none of it's great. Uh, it It makes me wonder what kind of greeting he'll get if he returns a second time.
1: Well, also, if Mother's Milk does this uh, milk run and gets his family back, there's also the idea that, like, why are the boys the boys? Like, they were kind of thrown back together uh, circumstantially, and they all had different, you know, they all have now very different wind conditions. Mm -hmm. And some of them are probably going to, like, when Mother uh, gets his name cleared and his family out of danger, why wouldn't he? Like some of the stuff later on where he's talking about like him becoming his dad, having a disease that he's caught. And if he doesn't watch, he's going to pass it on to his kids. Like he's talking about him dying. Mm -hmm. Like there is, there isn't, there are no old bold anti soup dudes, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And, and he's feeling that. And, you know, as someone who his dad's death put him on a trajectory, he doesn't want to do that to his kids. It's, it's great stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I don't know how they keep the boys together. And, and I do see where this could all realign behind Huey with the right, like, you know, bouncing, uh, balls falling into, to the right, the right positions. Yeah, no, it feels like they're in this, this sort of empty space where they don't,
0: uh, you know, like you said, they don't have, uh, goals that are aligned anymore. Um, Mm-mm. they're not against each other, but they're also just doing their own thing. And, uh, yeah, I know, I know that by you know the next couple of episodes or something, things will change and they'll have to join forces again to you know fight the the greater evil here. But how that's yeah. going to happen, I'm I'm not quite seeing it yet. I mean, it's got to be obviously something around Stormfront slash Liberty. I think like that's that's kind of the inroad to getting the boys back together. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see where it goes, I guess. So, Homelander. Uh, corners starlight in an elevator uh, stopped elevator and physically threatens her because she he thinks she's on Hugh's side she explains that she's not on his side because he betrayed her and homelander understands that she is not lying um, and lets her go H- how how convinced are you by this this starlight uh, confession or or starlight defense that she's not on Hugh's side because he betrayed her
1: I think that what I believe is that Homelander can absolutely like feel whether you're lying or not, because he's got superhuman senses, but I also don't think Mm -hmm. he's a finely tuned lie detector and he's pretty easy to sell. Like, you know, she's essentially telling the truth. She isn't furious with, with, uh, Huey. She does feel let down by him. um, but and she also like is a good hero. She's not gonna murder someone just because somebody's having a bad day at the office or wants to do some horseshit shit. Uh, uh purity and loyalty test. So like I don't know. I thought it was it, it's but it's one of those exhausting things that's like this could happen every fucking day. And and yeah. Homelander just like he just instantly like Grabs a piece of her internal anatomy. Like, I think he reached under her rib cage and is going to start breaking her ribs one by one from the inside. And it's like so fucking horrific. Yeah. uh And this guy can do this anytime he wants, anytime he gets a suspicion. And is his mental state going to be more and more stable as the season goes on, or probably more and more instable as Stormfront's pushing him and he loses popularity and mave betrays him and he doesn't have anyone to turn to? Like, it's just. Fucking scary situation. The loaded gun in her face all the time is a, is a really nice metaphor here. So Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I think that he Homelander thinks enough about himself and doesn't understand fundamentally how normal people behave that he is for now convinced that she's telling the truth because she is, she's telling a a one-sided version of it. Absolutely. And I think in that moment, she
0: kind of believes that it's, it's only really like in the moments where her and Huey get together, um, and they're face to face and she re- remembers you know what kind of guy he is deep down and forgets the things he's done that have been really shitty that mm-hmm. her you know her opinion of him vacillates between anger at the betrayal and intense you know uh like like a puppy love kind of thing right or, or trust yeah. uh some kind of intrinsic trust i I think in this moment, yeah, she definitely believes that she's not on his side, but I also don't think she would necessarily kill him if it came to that. She might sacrifice herself no. to to yeah. prevent his death.
1: I think that's a, a nice realistic um, take on this kind of inexperienced young relationship that like you do when you fall for someone and they betray. It's not like the first betrayal. Usually you're like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out. It's it's uh, back and forth and like, oh, you know, you want them to be the best version of them that you can see. And will they ever get there? Uh, That stuff is pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do think that I I wonder if because when, you know, a, a few scenes from now and they meet in Central Park, it does feel like it was more of an act that she put on for Homelander. And I think narratively they could have gotten away with her being a little bit more standoffish And then him winning her over by inviting her onto this, you know, this adventure that he's kind of closed her off from. Um, But like, you know, from almost a jump, it's almost like, oh, poor Huey, how are you doing? I missed you. And I got your voicemail and all. So, like, I kind of almost wish they'd played it to where she was a little bit feeling more of what she the truth of what she told Homelander. Um, But they didn't go in that direction. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, in some ways I'm
0: surprised that she's not a little more pissed about the stuff that her parents uh, did. Like, I mean, Compound V right. comes out, right, as, as a, the thing that causes the superpowers. She thereby knows that her parents did this to her, and yet she still seems to be mostly okay with them. Like, they're telling a story of her becoming more jaded, absolutely. Um and, and that's happening pretty rapidly, but also she still feels sort of, you know, naive and childlike. And she, she's in a limbo there where she could go either way.
1: Yeah, and I think they did a good job last season showing that her and her mom had already had a falling out about just yeah. the the extreme Christianity uh, kind of double standards thing that she lived through. And then early this season, they reestablished that she, like, didn't take one of her mom's phone calls, so they're still on the out. So it's not as big a betrayal. And even, like, they show Maeve. Like, it's like, there's some people, like, uh, Black Noir that really takes the, and, and The Deep that really takes the wind out of the sails. But, like... Yeah. I feel like Maeve and maybe starlight are a little bit further ahead and play, uh, processing the trauma of being manipulated by adults. You trust and love and, you know, being used by them. So she's, she was reading, she got the headline a season early that everybody else did. Sure. All right. Uh, black noir
0: gets one of the texts to pull up info on butcher and he pulls up a chair next to her while they search for him. Um, the tech is very intimidated by him,
1: as he probably would be. But I, I don't know if they're intimidated as they should be, because, like... So, there's a Vought crime and anal- data analysis, which is what she is. They, they established that this is, like, some kind of Vought crime analysis. Uh-huh. Uh, this is everyone's central bat computer. Um, <laughs> right. Do you think they know, like, the shit that Noir and Homelander get up to? Because, like, this is, like... This is intimidating, like um, like uh, an evidence room supervisor being intimidated by Batman. Just you know, being there requesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or is she, is she intimidated because she knows that this Batman kills people? I, I didn't uh, get the impression that the latter was true. I thought it was more just okay, gener- he's either. just a generally imposing, intimidating yeah. presence. Because he's like Batman, a dozen. And, and like, I just love his like psychotic note. It's like, it's written in serial killer letters, like just butch <laughs> and the word butcher. And she's right. like, would that be William Butcher? And he just stares at her and she's like, oh, okay. No, it, it's it's kind of light comic relief. But I wondered, like, yeah, like these are the vo- if they're the criminal analysts, maybe they actually do know, you know, more about. I think they would know more than the average person certainly
0: um yeah you still don't get insights into like you know they're working off traffic cams and shit like that so they're not going to see like homelander you know lasering a bunch of people and letting a plane go down right they're not they're not going to see that right. but they will see if they're doing stuff in the city um they might have caught yeah, some shit on damage. storm front right that's like, what i was
1: thinking yeah yeah yeah. that apartment building. they might know
0: the whole story on that apartment building uh yeah who knows uh they've got a real vendetta here the writers of this episode against almond joy. Like this is the first instance of it where she's eating an almond joy and he comes up and holds up a trash can and forces her to throw it in the garbage.
1: Yeah. You know, and here's the thing. I unironically love almond joy. It's a top five candy bar for me. Oh, shame so, on you. And, and <laughs> I, I Charleston Chu, take it or leave it, but bit o honey, good candy. Fine. Candy. So I'm, I was like, I felt unreasonably attacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you were supposed to, if you're a fan of Almond Joy, you yeah. were
0: being attacked this episode.
1: Yeah. It's such a strange, like I get it's a non-conventional candy bar. but holy shit. It's i uh, I'm a garbage person. Interesting. Is, is the Almond Joy the one that's coconut? Almond Joy is coconut, but it also has the two, like it's a, it's a coconut bar with two almonds on top of it. And then, uh, it's, it's all coated in chocolate okay yeah it's trash. so yeah almond joy mounds is almond joy without the almonds okay they're both trash which is, they both which is confusing they because mounds you'd think would represent the humps of the almond joy it's very confusingly candy oh you're right candy yeah like mounds is the candy without the mounds but th- but then you couldn't almond have joy the almond has joy the almonds without the mounds right. because those are almonds
0: See, so I think it would be joy. hilarious
1: if they just did full circle. Then the Mounds was Almond Joy and Almond Joy is Mounds, <laughs> and the joke is like, what do you expect Almonds to have? Al- Almond Joy to have almonds? Come on. Yeah. Uh,
0: all right, let's move on to Annie meeting Hugh in the park. <laughs> she laments the uh, the things that they've done that have made things way worse. Uh, MM calls Hughie and says, "We're going to Raleigh. Pack your shit. Uh, I'll pick you up soon." Uh, Hugh can see that Annie is feeling lost and alone. And so he invites her on the mission, which M.M. is not thrilled. But he does agree to take her along kind of for Hugh's sake.
1: I do. So do you think the show is deliberately telling us the story of Annie, Starlight and Huey being sloppy? Because they're not even taking basic not being recognized precautions. She's chipped. They're in Central Park. New York City. Uh, I mean, this is like Scarlett Johansson going in like a pullover and a loose ponytail and expecting not Dude. to be recognized. She's on literally five story banners a street over from this place. Like yeah. no one is going re- to. I just wish to like they, they they did that lip service in the very beginning of the season where they're like wearing the sunglasses and the the hat and you know pulling their co- they're not even trying. And I'm like, is it the show not being careful or is it them just? Not like them personally being sloppy. I mean, in the universe. Several of the characters
0: have said you're being extremely sloppy. Like, I mean, that, there you go. Yeah, the, texting her being the same as phone, like a phone call is obvious, uh-huh. and Hugh didn't realize or something, and like,
1: but it was a burner. Um, yeah, but that's but the thing is like sloppy. mother's mother's milk is the guy that usually is saying this, and then they also outed him as being kind of like a uh, worrywart, OCD, germaphobe. You know, some control freak. So it's like the the person is telling them that they're being sloppy. The show is also telling me that they're unnecessarily neat and precise and controlling. So I I don't know. I just wear a hat and sunglasses. Come on. Uh, They're doing a lot of stuff with like. Superhero identities
0: and people not recognizing them when they're out of costume, like. It's the Clark Kent thing, right? You take off the glasses, mm. suddenly you're Superman. You put them on, nobody fucking knows who you are. Um, in this, they're just like taking that a step further. It seems like they're they're just saying like as long as these people aren't actually in their costumes at any given time, no one's gonna notice who they are. Um, and I think you're right; they're playing fast and loose because they did earlier in in previous season uh, have her in more of a disguise but also they're they're doing things like look the the life of a famous person someone of this level of fame Mm -hmm. is not one where they're often given alone time and if they are given alone time it's it's locked up in a hotel room or it's locked up in their apartment or the official offices of vought where where no one can reach them in this episode starlight or, or sorry yeah um Maeve and Homelander have a conversation in the TV studio in a, t- in a fucking television studio entirely mm. by themselves in a hallway uh, where no one else is. And that mm. just wouldn't happen in real life, right? Yeah. They're playing fast and loose with the idea of, like, what is the level of fame of these people? in when they're in public, like, when they're in their costumes, they're doing their superhero thing. That's when they get recognized. When they're not, they're kind of out of it. and.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder okay. if they are. You, you might like. I'm I'm going to be taking that into future episodes. Like, are they doing a Clark Kent? You know, it's ridiculous, right? Like the idea that Obviously. this buff dude can put on glasses and he's not Superman. Uh, yeah. It's 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 ridiculous to the point of parody. So maybe they are just leaning in on that. And then I they, they subvert so much other stuff. I I thought, but but then they also like she gets a chance to do some daring do and. They're like, I guess she'd be recognized if she's Starlight out of costume doing Starlight stuff, though. I mean, obviously, if she starts finger blasting. <laughs> Wait. Whoa. Yeah, if she starts finger blasting um, all the the people in the, the car wreck, if she starts doing her hand blasts or whatever, uh, that would be a problem. Blasts, yeah. yeah, Oh, yeah. Starlight comes and finger blasts you out of your El Camino. That's going to be a red-letter day <laughs> for sure. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, <laughs> so, so there's a moment here where they're in the park and he gets this call and he says, Oh, I got to go. And she asks, what's up. And he's just like, I got to go where, where he's thinking about not telling her, right? Not cluing her in. And he stops himself in that moment and he turns around and he, he doesn't tell her what's happening, which is the thing he probably should do. Just be honest with her and let her deal with the, the weight of the situation. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but he's, he's, catching himself doing that occasionally and i like that right it's it's a it's a precursor to growth which he so desperately needs as a character um and this this relationship will have to have that kind of growth if it's going anywhere um so yeah. i like that little moment you know it's not on the phone where he can just like say uh yeah i'm good okay uh nothing right. everything's fine here um he tries to do that and then he catches himself doing it
1: mm-hmm
0: uh so then we move on to a train the fastest uh seeing the fastest man in the world not not himself getting onto the VOD elevator and he goes to ashley to complain about it and when he does home later tells a train he's out of the seven because he's not fast enough
1: yeah this guy's i guess shockwave was that was he i don't remember the first season he, he i think was that he one. was going to do a duel okay then that yeah. then he v'd up to beat him okay yep um, I, I I like some of his light comedy they put in like you know Vots for Tots because apparently uh-huh. there's obese babies he's like shit I love fat kids get me in there yeah Um, but yeah like Homelander just dropping the boom on him and and saying like, you're not even like, let's be honest you're not even in the top 20 anymore and it's an embarrassment like he mentioned to, to not Madeline before that like the seven is just a, a chain of weak links and he's starting mm-hmm. to rip them out Uh, he's taking not Madeline's advice to heart um and it's uh boy what does a train do that's a are damn gonna, good question i'm wondering if like the boys is going to start swelling to hold some actual super powered people that are disaffected yeah. you know like you get a train you get like a washed up a train you get a f- unbrainwashed the deep you got uh kamiko and some of these others that maybe starlight versus yeah. so you got the the underground bad guy outfit that's actually the good guys versus the up in the cla- soaring clouds on tower 99 good guys who are actually the bad guys i think that would be an almost perfect the boys type inversion mm-hmm. of your like 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 uh, the comic book expectation yeah i like it um
0: i also like this scene a lot uh there there's some unwritten stuff here that that I think is going on, uh, when a- like a train calls bullshit on the whole situation, he's calling bullshit. Cause he's personally offended that he'd be out of the seven, but there's a subtext here with Ashley saying, Oh, there'll be a huge outpouring of fan love and support. Like she's what she's really saying here is Vought's going to milk your retirement for every single fucking penny that it's worth. And making it seem like a golden parachute. Right. And they're they're just going to exploit the shit out of this, and yeah, mm-hmm. as a side effect, you'll get some adoration from fans and maybe make some more cash before you go uh, quietly off into obscurity. But like, right, that's the real thing that VOD is doing here, and and yeah, I don't think A Train's calling bullshit on that, but he should be. Hmm. Uh, so we're on the drive to Raleigh, and Annie's tribute to Translucent is on every radio station. Except for one, which is playing Billy Joel uh, and Annie and Huey have a sing-along, which M.M. pretty much puts a
1: stop to. Are they old enough to? Because I was a kid when We Didn't Start the Fire came out, man. Uh-huh. Like, they're, I guess they're they're, they're your age, uh, maybe even slightly younger. Did you have firsthand memory of We Didn't Start the Fire?
0: Uh, I will say I don't know every word to We Didn't Start the Fire. Uh, and, and actually, if you get outside of the chorus, like I can go, I know the the rhythm of the verse, but I don't know any of the words to any of the verses. I
1: think it's I always thought it was funny that the thing, like all of all the atrocities he rattles off, the thing that breaks him mentally uh, is rock and roll co- Cola Wars. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Ho Chi Minh, I'm high. Yo, fine. I'll take that in stride. You know, Richard Nixon, Palestine, whatever. Fucking rock and roll a cola wars. <laughs> this new Coke shit. I had it. I had it. Burn it, it all down. <laughs> it feels
0: on theme, remarkably on theme, though, for this show. Like you've got a right a, you've got a brand new uh superhero coming in to fuck up the, the mojo of the seven, and she's doing it with subversion and anger and pissing people off about their pop culture, right? Like oh yeah and it's it's so fucking true to life it is so on point like this episode is hitting a lot of sore points for me um yeah there's some Uh stuff here in quarantine where i'm like oh fuck this is just feeling too real and this pop Mm. culture war that we've got going on that's extending to every side of everything where you either love or hate the thing and anybody in the middle can get fucked is like Mm right on the money and now that you mention it that billy joel song with the rock and roll cola wars the <laughs> thing that breaks him you know maybe not in 1981 or whenever the fuck that song came out but now uh-huh. yeah
1: yeah yeah uh-huh yeah they could they, they they uh have new coke zero and i'm right that's it that's where i it's flip dumb. that's where I, I i i head to the Appalachians and start my <laughs> my career as revolutionary probably martyr uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i was heading to the foothills, and I'm never seen again. Um, yeah, but man. yeah, I, I. But it's a, it's also like I guess it's one of those kids met things where he's clearly way into Billy Joel or Billy Joel speaking to him, and it's kind of like you know she's kind of into Billy Joel. Uh-huh. They're both squares. Yeah, I, I can. It's it's cute.
0: It is, and and fuck him in for harshen the the vibe here. Like let him have some fun. Like, on
1: the other hand, yeah, like being the third wheel in the situation where you already have been calling bullshit from the beginning. It's like, no, man, it's cool. Let her come. She'll be fun. She's a she's a good co-pilot, whatever. And they're just canoodling and you're sitting here, can't listen to music because they're having a conversation. Bullshit. Let them do their
0: thing. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's a three-minute song. Come on.
1: Oh, well, you see, he's he knows what'll lead into, and also like the nice touch of them driving past a homelander with the Confederate flag. Yeah, Uh, instead of the star, you know, it's got the stars and bars rather than stars and stripes. It's a couple of things,
0: yeah, like that, that Confederate flag instead of the American flag, which is his normal cape. Uh, and then that billboard, did you see that about the uh you know what does yes, it say that, the, that baby you abort might be a super which right now after the compound v reveal takes on a whole nother context right like sure it's so fucked up to have it's a in, in a world like oh, okay first of all there's zero percent chance right that you're
1: now gonna have a soup baby unless you right because it's 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 a lot yeah it's a it's a lot and even then i'm not even sure i'm not even sure if that guy was super out of the womb if it like works that way You know, she got pregnant. She, yeah, no, she got pregnant. Like the story they told us, she she got pregnant. She ran the vault because she didn't know what to do. Good point. Well, you know, so are we? Are we certain that this is heritable, or is it more of you know compound v fuckery? But yeah, that's a really good point. It's
0: but but even before that reveal, mm -hmm. I I think it's more fucked up before the reveal because here Mm -hmm. the implication is. There are going to be you put up a billboard like this. There are going to be a lot of people who are fucking playing the lottery here with kids mm-hmm. they might not want to have. And oh god, yeah. Th- there's there's nothing worse than a parent who doesn't want to have the child, right? Resents the child. Right. Like They're not going to get right. a good upbringing. Uh, and there will be plenty of people seeing their kids. Like <laughs> plenty of people right now see their kids as the way out of their their shitty life. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. Now, if if who they were dreams, literally yeah. a lottery. that that they were playing. um, Maybe you'll have a soup baby. That's wow. That's
1: dark. Yeah. Maybe you will give birth to Superman. And also there's another context of this billboard is still up after it's been revealed that no one is born a super. Uh So it's kind of like this missing for like the pat, the fact that if you bought, if so, like are people who are anti-abortion in this universe more likely to not believe that V like, is there going to be some V truthers that like oh, right. this is a whole bunch of bullshit. Nah, supers are born, not made. It's God's will, and it all just kind of rolls in. Like instead of like each thing being its own belief that can be separable, it's all just rolls into this you know uh, worldview and lifestyle that like an attack on one part is an attack on all. So like yeah. hell no, nah, V's not real because if if V's real, then you you couldn't board a super. And I saw the build. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's. Which rolls right back into that <laughs> fuck them if they're not 100% with me mentality. Exactly. exactly. It's a cuckoo for coconuts. Um, yeah. And it is uncomfortably close to what, well, it's actually, yeah, what what happens in the real world. And I'm not even going to exempt yeah. my side. Uh, sure. uh, the guy, we, we have our share of fucking chuckleheads that can't. Uh, from first principles, argue morality on our side that scared the shit out of me, too. Unfortunately, none of them have any of the levers of power in their hands, or I guess fortunately. So (sighs) these homelanders with Confederate flags, though, a whole other thing. (laughs) Sure. Uh,
0: Okay, so we go back to uh, a woman being interviewed. She tells the story of the lovers of Valdaro. I I didn't quite catch it, and I didn't look it up. Um, This probably is a real thing some skeletons who died with their arms around each other. Uh, and she's, she's saying, you know, she doesn't believe in, if you love someone, you should set them free. No, if you love someone, you should, you will never let them go ever. Uh, this is Cassandra. This is the woman Mm -hmm. that they pick for him, uh, for the deep to, to be his wife. This is ominous, you know, like this should be the warning sign, the red flag. I mean, Look, there's 50 million of them as as someone, you know, who's familiar with the way cults operate. He's seen 25 of these red flags already. Yep. Right. This yep. is a big one. Yep. This is the tornado oh, yeah. alarm going off saying, get to your fucking shelter, man. Because, um, yeah, just, just know, this is overly attached, attached girlfriend
1: bull. Yeah, this overly attached girlfriend bullshit's a red flag. The fact that it's wrapped into some kind of cult breeding program. Um, yeah. Which I think they're trying to sketch like what's widely rumored to have been the case with Tom Cruise. Have you read some of the conspiracy theories about Tom, like Tom Cruise's love life? And like that a lot of these are yeah. essentially Scientology arranged marriages to help him with his career and to cross Paul like, you know, the, the maximum cultural impact and the, the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I've heard so much stuff about Scientology, 90% of which I know is true, mm-hmm. that some of the margins I'm kind of like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? You know, it's sure, kind of like say uh, anything
0: about him at this point
1: right right like there's there's certain there's certain institutions and personalities that get to a point bill simmons used to call it the mike tyson zone like a mike tyson just showed up with that full face tattoo it's like that's the point where it's like if you heard in the morning mike tyson you know uh broke into the brooklyn zoo and killed a gorilla with his <laughs> bare hands like uh-huh. would you actually take the time to research it or would you be like that yeah, that sounds about right uh, yeah. I I feel like that that's that's where we're at with this situation. It's like there's almost nothing that I wouldn't believe, uh, about him. Yeah,
0: I'm with you. Um, but but definitely they this this is all about getting your hooks into someone, right, and never letting them go. And that's what cults do. That's what this woman is professing is the the uh, the height of relationships is never letting someone go no matter what. Yeah, um, scary. Yeah. All right, then Butcher climbs the wall to get to Becca's house very quick scene and then Frenchie visits a special lady friend of his uh after the sex they talk about what happened with Kimiko and she thinks that he's using Kimiko for some kind of absolution of his sins and advises that he just let her grieve uh he doesn't want her to grieve alone though which I don't know I I can kind of understand but also she needs to come to you if she needs somebody to grieve with
1: yeah, it's interesting because like, what does grieving alone do for anybody? Well, it does a lot for some people, and the bottom line is, it's that person's business. You can't just like blunder in yeah. with your preferred method of, you know, getting fucked up and high and converting your grief into sex energy. Mm-hmm. You can't expect that to work for everybody. Uh, but this guy, you know, can't. And it's this this late. I think her name was Marshmallow. Did I hear that right? <laughs> oh, I I didn't even. Catch her name because I think she's. I think she, is. She some kind of soup. Uh, she I don't uh, know. She seems special. Her power being super soft. Like what? I <laughs> she stays puff. Uh, she, you know what she seems like? Hmm. Do you remember that the band of like hacker adjacent lowlifes that knocked on Neo's door for the, the, the his own personal Jesus ship? She uh-huh. looks like some random person in that guy's entourage. Sure, and she got superpowers. Is she just a goth? I don't know. Um, I was thinking maybe she's,
0: like uh, she she she. This person auditioned for both uh, Marina Baccarin's Backer, role in Firefly and also for the girl with the dragon tattoo, <laughs> and like lost out on both of them. But that's just uh-huh. you know
1: her lifestyle. And now she's marshmallow. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, no, there is like there's some kind something in her affect where she's like really it's heavy going trying to get this guy, lead this guy along to some kind of emotional breakthrough. Like she's kind of like borderline exasperated with how like literal he's being. And, you know, uh, but uh, I, I, it's, I don't know what to think about Frenchie. I did want to go back. I did not realize that Becca is essentially living on a Vought compound. Mm hmm. Um, like a walled city, something like that. I did not, yeah. I I didn't get that. I thought she lived in some kind of just like tucked away neighborhood, but apparently her and Ryan just live in total isolation. Like there's a, mm-hmm. she's allowed out because he can go to see a piano teacher and all this other stuff. But like, it does seem like a very lonely existence, which if I had re- caught on to that before, I would have maybe... Given a little bit more weight to what Homelander was trying to do with Ryan, where he's trying to like, you know, uh, we just have a lonely lifestyle, kid. You know, it's like no one can relate to us. Yeah. yeah. But it's because of the circumstance, not because of the intrinsic truth of what he's saying. Yeah. There's some super interesting stuff,
0: I think, to talk about when it comes to that. And we'll we'll get there in some upcoming scenes. Um right on. But for now, we go back over to uh, a roadside diner where M.M. and Starlight share dessert based stories about their fathers uh, and on their way out, a car accident happens right in front of them. And Annie wants to help the people involved. But M.M. and Hugh convince her that it would draw too much attention.
1: So they just take off. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's like it's it's pretty it's pretty funny stories. Um, uh-huh. I kept on, like, thinking as Mother's Milk was telling stories about his father, like, because at some point, like, Huey and, and Starlight were giving him some significant looks. that I think it's just them being impressed at him sharing. But I was getting the idea of, like, is he telling tall tales? Like, are some of these stories not literally true about his dad? But I, I don't. I After the second time, I, I'm off of that theory. But I want to see if you thought that, like. We think we're getting a lot about mother, but is he telling the actual unvarnished truth or is he telling something that is designed to get Starlight to do the thing he wants Starlight to do? Is it designed to get uh, the lady whose brother was killed by Liberty to trust him? Um, But I don't think that's the case. No, I think it's a fair question
0: to ask. Um, I wasn't getting that impression, and I hope that's not the case because I do want some character development from MM other than just like want to get back to my family. Uh, Yeah.
1: At some point they kind of stop subverting things and tell a fucking story. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. The characters will just be parodies of themselves. Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see if that's actually true or we won't. Uh, so butcher gets Becca's attention and they drive out to a secluded spot for a tearful reunion. Becca reveals that she convinced Homelander not to hurt him by threatening to kill herself and tell her son that it was Homelander's fault. If he did that, Mm -hmm. uh, Butcher wants to help her escape. So they plan for her to sneak out in a garbage truck sometime soon. Kind of nebulous. And she has to get back, but tells him to wait there for her.
1: Yeah. I thought this was weird too. The pacing of all this, the fact that like uh, she's, she's going to leave him here, but she'll be right back. And I don't know there. I I thought it (laughs) really as someone who's had
0: clandestine relationships before uh, as a teen, this feels so so much like that. Like I'm going to sneak out wrong. for a cigarette, but it, you know, it's not a cigarette when you're a teen, right? It's like, oh, right. I'm going to meet my friend at the mall or Sure, sure, sure. whatever. I'm going to do do whatever you you got to say to make it work and then like I can see you for 3 minutes here and then like you know, stay here for it, it, 2 hours and I'll be back and we can see each other for another 12 minutes, like that kind of thing felt right.
1: It just doesn't work for me because I just feel like Becca, like she's wired for sound and camera, like the idea that they wouldn't have a tracker on her vehicle or there's not a hidden mic in her vehicle or it just felt like she's on his maximum security with like one of the most expensive clandestine uh, assets in Vought's inventory and they're just going to let her fuck around and act suspicious like how many totally middle fair. of night yeah. smokes does she do back to back ever? <laughs> and like, there's nobody watching and be like, Hey, you know, there might be uh, some kind of weird shit going on here. Um, yeah. I don't know that, but, but that's maybe not fair, uh, to the show. Because, I mean, it's it's, it's going to be increasingly hard in the coming years to tell a story of someone like breaking out of jail or evading cops in a city with facial recognition that drones can use from a mile away. Like, you know, like the way that cell phones have destroyed some very common plot contrivances. Mm -hmm. This shit, it's like anyone having a clandestine meeting away from Big Brother is going to seem ridiculous in like five years time, it feels like. Oh, but yeah, I feel it's like fair if you're writing to show to do that,
0: if you're writing future fiction right now, you have to be thinking of ways to tell stories where no one has any privacy whatsoever and can be found yeah. at a, a moment's notice uh, mm-hmm. wherever they are um, by almost. It's one, one
1: of the it. most ridiculous things us going through and rewatching Star Trek on our blocks is like the sheer amount of times of people just to go to get away with hiding on the ship. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, come on, yeah. you know. Uh, it's like, that would never happen.
0: Uh, or the, the lack of AI, you know, like the the lack of automation, the lack mm. of like so many things that we see are trends now that are going to continue and accelerate. You got to be right. thinking about that writing future fiction now. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I, I mean, you're right. It is kind of insane that they wouldn't be able to suss this out. Uh. But I, I'm, look, part of me is happy for Butcher. Part of me is like, why should I give a fuck? This guy hurts everyone around him. Um, and I'm kind of glad that that eats its own tail by the end of this thing, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. They have that reunion, but also it's bittersweet because she knows that mm-hmm. the reunion is temporary. And, you know, he was fucked up before they met and nothing has changed about that. And now she's got and it's got to be bigger. Stakes. It's
1: got it's got to be such a blow to butcher that she prefers status quo with the Homelander to the oh, certainty God. she thinks that if she goes off with her on the road with him that he'll murder her her son at some point Uh-huh. you know like wow
0: yeah yeah I didn't even think about it from that angle it's wow fucked up uh, okay M.M. and Hugh share a room for the night when M.M. falls asleep Huey sneaks out to meet Annie at the vending machine they talk about candy bars M.M.'s OCD and their own stress symptoms for a while and they end up back in her room where they bone down Another hateful Almond Joy scene. Uh, Mm -hmm. Charleston Chews get a little bit of uh, become a punching bag and so do a bit of honey.
1: I mean, Uh, I'll cop the bit of honey being old people candy. Like, I like it because it was it was it was part something my my grandparents used to have around. Uh, I still like it. I still like like it. I like the original, like quintessential old person candy. I don't give a shit. It tastes good. You on the way uh, uh to picking up my son for the night? I'm gonna stop by a gas station get us both almond joys. How you like that, boys? Mm-hmm. You, you've you've done the opposite of shame me. I'm I'm even more emboldened in my disgusting candy tastes.
0: <laughs> what's what's the uh, cow tails? Is that is that? The- I mean, here's the thing: you
1: got circus peanut. Why? As long as people are buying and consuming circus peanuts, why yeah. are we wasting time shaming anyone yeah. with a coconut milk chocolate almond fetish? Your like peeps. Yes. Throw yes. those in the and fucking They, they, river. they have. They, they, they tried to make. They, they, speaking of Compound V, did you see these Sriracha peeps this spring? No. Who that wanted Tabasco? Awful. Who wanted Tabasco infused peeps? Yeah, man. I mean, get peeps that, are just a. Get,
0: a a stunt candy at this point, right?
1: Like get, get Pete. Yeah. You get peeps and you get, you get circus peanuts off the market. I'll entertain what we should do about Charleston shoes. But this is like, you know, worrying about tide pods while people are drinking Drano. Like, come on. Peeps business model at this point is to get people to post pictures of their bullshit
0: flavors on Instagram and throw the garbage candy in the trash. They still have Mm -hmm. to buy them to take the picture. So,
1: I think Peeps is still the only candy that can actually expire. And it's the only candy expires within a week. Like you maybe can make an argument that like, well, it's it's a sugar encrusted marshmallow. How bad can it be? That argument goes out the windows five days into that Peeps lifestyle because they turn into (laughs) bricks. They turn into sand. They turn into oddly shaped sanding blocks within a week.
0: So do circus peanuts, man. Like, yeah,
1: they're just packing material that, that we've been tricked into eating.
0: Yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't know Starlight could control lights with her powers. Am I? Like, have they shown that she controls? I electricity feel like and they stuff?
1: they might have done something in a dog and pony with her last, where she can do that, like she can turn light on and off. Um, but I don't know. I was actually when her eyes started glowing in like conjunction with bedtime. I'm like, well, this is going to be interesting. Some super powered sex, like, uh-huh. holy fuck. You, you got go to go back butt, to like uh, Steve, Steve Gutenberg and cocoon before since the last time I saw one of these jobs, uh, <laughs> but not, she's a turn on. Well, it's weird. She turns off the lights and says, I still want to see you. then well, oh, why'd you down. turn the lights? She, oh, yeah, I thought they were way. off. No. I thought they were shooting like, you know, the Hollywood, like you're supposed to understand that this is a pitch black room. Yeah. So, uh, no, um, I think she just turned
0: them down. So, all right. Uh, another woman is being interviewed and she thinks the love is about faith. She tells the story of getting an edge here tattoo for her boyfriend who two weeks later broke up with her. And so now, well, I think she always hated edge here but now she hates him even more.
1: Now she's not in love with the shape of him. That's yep. Permanently tattooed on his arm. And, uh, you know, remarkably for a,
0: an organization that purports to be a church, they do not care about having a wife who thinks that, Faith is the the foundational building block of a relationship. You should be taking note of that as well. The deep mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, red flags. Yep, Ed Shireen red flag. So then, Becca returns to the bridge with her and Butcher. Uh, Where her and Butcher strip down and get in, get it on in her car. Afterward, Butcher asks how she's holding up, and she tells him all about Ryan. She says that she heard he was on a warpath against Homelander and he promises that he'll make all of this up to her until the day he dies. Uh, This this is where stuff gets interesting because I think like what he's hearing here is her um, her asking about how he's doing and when he asks how she's doing it's not it's not asking how she's holding up personally in this it's how like like under Homelander in captivity like this is about to her this is about raising Ryan and being a mother right like that's the defining thing about her life now not being Mm -hmm. a captive under Homelander which is the defining thing to butcher Mm -hmm. Uh, they're they're kind of talking past each other
1: this was Uh, a really rewarding thing to do on rewatch is that like uh, because honestly my reaction when she accuses him of like being anti Ryan is like I don't know if this is fair But like, it's all on his face when she tries to like she at one point in the conversation turns it into trying to sell him on Ryan. Oh, he's such a good kid and he's he's happy and he's kind and he's thoughtful. And he's just kind of like, yeah, sure, babe. Uh huh. And you can see that he's just not connecting and not liking. Then I I completely didn't get that the first time through. Um, So it's a really, really good performance, too, by Carl Urban of this guy who's like, this is what he wants he just, Oh man, if there's anything, if there's anything I do about this kid, I got to get my wife out from under this. He he sees that as part of the Homelander situation, right? Yeah. Do you think they're going to do anything weird? Like it turns out that this kid actually is butcher's kid that they've pumped full of compound V. I don't know. Cause I find myself in this scene
0: asking the question, where does butcher go from here? Because he doesn't, he doesn't have Becca that he needs to, you know, uh, help help make up for the mistakes that he's made before he, he doesn't have the goal of, I think taking revenge on Homelander anymore for killing her. So like, what do they do with him? And, and Homelander can't really kill him yet because there's still this threat of Becca killing herself. If you know, Homelander does that. Um, Now that could change if Homelander is able to win the loyalty of Ryan uh, mm-hmm. over the course of the next X or amount of feels, time.
1: Or, or gets bored and feels like that's not worth it anymore, and he's no longer afraid sure. of the, what the kid thinks.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know what they're going to do with Butcher. I guess he might just disappear again, like we talked about, uh, and then come Or back he might when go to eating. a team
1: that has a little bit more supers on it, and he learns that, like, you know, not all supers are created e- equal. There are people like Starlight that, like, are just like any other human. Yeah. Has their good qualities, and their bad qualities, and, like... They, they, there's a natural arc that him and Becca could go back to being compatible, but he's got to do some personal growth about his personal vendetta and his feelings about. Because the other thing is, like, it's put aside the Ryan shit. This this guy who's single mindedly going after Homelander is a guy. He's he's courting death. Oh yeah, that's no life for a, a person trying to raise a kid fuck no. that. So even if he didn't have a personal hard-on against Ryan, just the, his his foolhardy way, way of life to, to try to punish Homelander, she just like, you know, like she I think she says something like, this thing that you've got started before me, yeah. and I can't fix it. Like, he has to resolve that, and I don't know whether that's going to look like him killing Homelander, which seems crazy, or him getting over it.
0: Mm. Alright, there's a real quick scene the next day when Annie and Huey are are making eyes of each other in the car. MM's not too thrilled with it. Um, and then we go back to Homelander and Maeve going on the in-depth talk show with Maria Menounos. Uh, oh
1: yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to see this when I finally go back to a, a theater. Right. And a year from now, <laughs> uh, they ask about the diversity
0: within Vought and that prompts Homelander to out Maeve as a lesbian, revealing that he knows everything about Elena and when Maeve gets defensive, he wishes her and Elena luck, but neither Maeve nor us as an audience is buying this from Homelander. Hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't think I wasn't. What, what was your feeling on that?
1: No, I don't. I mean, okay. well, here's the thing. Like, maybe he's being sincere, but sincere in a way that Homelander could change his mind on yep. a whim. It's not like any kind of lasting thing because he doesn't have any kind of like bedrock moral principles. It's whatever is best for him or his own self-image and and maybe maybe he wants to be the bigger man and decide that like he's over all this and he needs still needs an ally on the seven but that is not because he's a good dude it's just because that's the way the personal calculus has worked out in his mind um yeah but I don't know it's it's another thing that they've reworked to the, like the Oscars so white um you know that's and, and I I, I I thought this was fascinating because like in this universe what kind of hay did white supremacists make over the fact that the disproportionately superpowered people came from white households and at the most powerful. like there had there had to be a lot of New York Times opinion pieces and think pieces just asking questions you know right just right. Add, these blessings are all genetically deal out why is it that some race gets a hell of a lot more and why are you know Latino and Asians like less than one percent um and it's now that's all shattered,
0: right? Now that it's it's
1: an orchestrated uh, thing, right? Right, right. So now it's like uh, it's 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 well, it's as as life turns out to be. It's 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 not. Life isn't racist. It's the systems built around them, right? Um, but uh, that's it's it's going to be interesting. And then you know you could all follow that up as like uh, what's that say about a corporation currently held by, uh. A man, a, a man who's a minority himself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of like, oh, what, if a black cop co- shoots a black person, is it is that racist? Well, yeah. If the cops working for a racist system, like, <laughs> there's all kinds of things that don't that don't quite jive with like a common sense understanding of it. But I, I sure. it's it's interesting. It's an interesting lens to to look through like our current culture. You know, you just make it you just just heighten some absurd thing about it, and then. I don't know. I, I almost think it's like in another like five years ago with this una- allowed or 10 years ago this allowed culture to take a step back and uh, evaluate some of these things in kind of a safe way or is it now? That's the thing, man. You you say
0: like, oh, heighten this this aspect of our real culture. I don't I think, look, the boys goes for shock value. The boys goes over the top and they try and heighten everything. I think they're going to have a damn hard time heightening any yeah. kind of racism uh In this show, I think, yeah th- th- our culture at this point has gotten to a place where parodying lampooning like- eg- over exaggerating the the problems of racism in our society is gonna be tough mm-hmm. i mean you're you're gonna need you're gonna need stormfront to go a hell of a lot farther than she 's gone already is what i'm right. saying yeah
1: uh so, yeah, I'm looking forward to what they try and do with that. I mean, because at least she was she was at least chasing an actual dangerous person down. Like, what if she was just in the wrong building across town and killed all those people in a racist manner for, you know, not even a pretext? I mean, like, it's it's Brianna. They Taylor could have done that. Large, and it would have been, like I. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they Like, that's not as absurd as some of the things that's happened this year. Right. Right. I don't yeah. know what they can do to
0: to say, hey, we're being absurd.
1: <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a good point. And it's, it, the absurdity also like I I, the, I do th- wonder there's going to be a lot of people, I think, watching the show um, for very, you know, just the same way that there's a lot of white supremacists to watch American History X. And they just unironically idolatize Ed Norton's performance. Yeah, like there's going like I wouldn't surprise me if you don't start seeing, you know, racist groups with Homelander merchandise and stuff stormfront merchandise logos and things like why not absolutely you know like the 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 fucked up branches of the police have adopted the punisher even though the punisher is explicitly like the punisher would kill you dudes the punisher would be the first one to hunt down everyone every cop that's got a punisher skull Mm -hmm. tattoo on his gun arm like that's who he is man like ah Uh, yeah yeah, yeah. yes you just co opt the parody and make it into your self-image and keep rolling sure
0: Alright, uh, Homelander sees Stormfront on the news, riling up her protest crowd. And Kamiko shows up at that protest, ready to kill her, but Frenchie distracts her long enough that she misses her shot. Uh I frankly I don't think Kamiko could take on Stormfront in any way. I think Frenchie is right here. Uh he's he saved her life in that moment. But yeah, she's she's pissed and she's gonna make some mistakes, I'm sure.
1: And it's another thing where he is trying to countermand the thing that she wants to do again, probably for the right reasons, but this is not going to endear him to Kimiko. I do not think. No, uh, he's got a, and, and he's got a lot of growing up to do before he can even get to the place where that that's going to happen. So I, I, is this going to be the slowest of all burn relationships? I, I almost feel like one of these two has to die at the end of the season because this, this show, I can't imagine has the patience to turn this into something that would be, uh, worth getting invested in, right?
0: And, and will they do that with every character, right? It's like, oh, are they gonna redeem? you right. You know, butcher. Are they gonna get Annie and Huey together? And then are they also gonna do it with Frenchie? They're gonna pair off Mm with right. you know his family. I.
1: Who? Who knows? Because it's a perfect, it's a perfectly valid story to tell that like you know, good, fundamentally good people sometimes do bad things and they pay a cost for it that yeah. keeps them from doing the being happy. You know, like Butcher might not have a game plan to be happy going forward, but maybe you know, like maybe one or two, like like Mother's Milk. I want to, I really. He's the one person I'm invested in. Like I want to see this man reunited with his wife and and, and kids. Yeah. Like he seems like the most pure uh good guy of the boys and I'm, I'm really hoping, but you're probably right. Like trying to get a, a happy ending for everybody in the boys is, is not. Yeah. Not, we haven't not, seen the boys in the really cards.
0: P- pay too many costs yet. Um,
1: Other people have paid the prices. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but th- they've got to start paying prices and that's going to mean, you know, severe consequences. Uh, all right. M.M. makes it to the address that he got from butcher. And Smooth talks his way into the good graces of the woman in the house with a story about his father campaigning against FOD until the day he died. Uh, she talks about a payoff that she took when her brother was killed by Liberty, uh, who she claims is actually unaged and living as Stormfront. Dun, dun, dun.
1: Did you all- think that Liberty sounded like Stormfront in the flashback?
0: Slightly. Like on second watch, I definitely was looking for that. And
1: yeah ish mm, i i was kind of looking for it and i thought nah ish but okay. you know it's maybe <laughs> it right. m- might be one of those laurel yanni things where All right yeah it's definitely her in a voice box but she's giving like a slightly different performance or more old-timey performance i don't i don't know she's wearing a black dress right Is black and gold uh or was it yeah, white? you know white and I didn't get a good look at it. I, I when you <laughs> I, asked me, I just realized I was me, I, a joke realized about I was, the I Laurel, was yeah, I mean, oh vision, the oh. dress thing. Remember, you it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, I got it because I was like, oh ahead. man, I don't know what she looks like. I can just think of the cartoon <laughs> image of her. Holy shit!
0: Uh, so on the drive home, they they try to make sense of what they've just learned, and Huey tells MM that his father was a hero, but MM thinks it was just his his OCD and his
1: maniacal uh, rage against the the Vought machine. Yeah, they got him killed, might get him killed, might get his kids killed. Uh, yeah, I wonder, uh, yeah, what is MMM's M-M's backstory? How did Vot screw him over? How did his father fight back? Those are going to be... I imagine we'll get the answer to all that. Yeah. Um, I, I do wonder... Uh, they're, they're trying to, you know,
0: make sense of all that. Do they... Have they considered the possibility that this is, like, Stormfront's daughter... Or, sorry, mm. Liberty's daughter is Stormfront? Um I mean, yeah, the idea it, of a superhero that doesn't age is pretty powerful. Like, if your superpower could just be patience, uh, that might be an interesting, interesting. Thing.
1: You know, you're you, you mentioned that it could be their daughter rang a bell because several characters have mentioned that Ryan is the spitting image of Homelander, which I don't buy. Yeah. I don't think he particularly looks like Anthony Starr, but he's like got the universe hair, or tell- Yeah, and universe are telling is he's the spitting image of Homelander. So I wonder if you're supposed to like, use that clue on this mystery and think, like, instead of, like, oh, there's an immortal super out there, it's, like, yeah, it's just a daughter. And um, it's crazy to me, because, like, you know, very similarly to how I didn't see the shapeshifter
0: coming, and I absolutely mm-hmm. should have, I have mm-hmm. never, even though Homelander and Ryan exist as father and son soups I have been assuming that Ryan is somehow the first soup baby, which is almost impossible, right? If soups have been around since World War One or World War II at the very latest, like- Oh, born soup no baby? There's no way yeah. that this is the first soup baby. How, how has this not become a thing
1: and you just be clear. You're not saying soup because literally we saw soup babies last season. You're saying genetically someone came out of the bo- uh, uh, womb yeah. sans V, super. born okay. as a
0: soup because they had, yeah. uh, you know, sex with a superhero.
1: Yeah. Like, just genetic, just super genetics. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Ryan can't be the first. There's no way. Um, but I don't know. I felt like the show was trying to tell me that.
1: Also, I really dug uh, Mother's Milk's vintage Black Panther T-shirt in these scenes very very cool did he have one? Oh, i didn't notice yeah yeah it's uh people's uh is the, the peop, uh, people's public food program uh that's just, that's how the black panthers got started uh, trying to feed kids school lunches to underprivileged uh-huh. uh, uh school districts so the more you know then they started carrying guns and then ronald reagan governor of california banned open carry because he can't let that happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah powerful black people with weapons sure Yeah. Uh,
0: All right. Homelander scrolls through the seven memes online uh, and he's pissed and he goes to Stormfront and claims that she that he's still the best soup and no one's going to take what he built. And she tries to teach him a lesson on how to connect with his audience, mostly through the radicalization of his fans. But he's not interested in her advice.
1: Did you think I think they could have done a little bit better with the Homelander browsing memes? Some of them were okay, mm-hmm. but some of those memes were some weak-ass shit that, like, the writer's room, I think... Uh, that would have been the fun part of the the week of that. Like, hey, let's yeah. come up with a bunch of anti-Homelander and pro-Stormfront memes in today's meme lexicon. Oh, yeah. But they were mostly kind of weak sauce, uh, mm-hmm. which... To be fair, a lot of d- memes are dumb shit anyway, and if you're just pounding them like Homelander is, you're going to get some duds. But I don't know. I, I was like wanting. To, I, I went. I started freeze framed like, oh, this is going to be a real treat. Like all these. And no, they're not really. They're just literally Damn. someone said download a couple memes off of Reddit, the front page of Reddit, and then just literally rework them into Homelander shit. Uh, yeah, well, it's a bummer. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was
0: there literally like the guy with his girlfriend looking back?
1: Yes. At Stormfront? That, and that's okay. one of the better ones. And that's like, <laughs> yeah. that's the most obvious one, you know? Right. Like, uh, they didn't, but you know, they could have had Kermit drinking tea. Stormfront's a better people's hero than, than home, the Homelander. But that's none of my business. Like, come uh, on. They're, 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 they're easy. Stormfront's better than Homelander. Change my mind. Like that. Kind of yeah, thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. get Steven Crowder's ass out there. Exactly. Sure. Uh so the other thing is like she's also got this psychosexual thing because she she taunts him until he says eyes start shining and then she backs down and says she can offer help and then says, you know, when he goes, I don't need your help, he's well my door's open, and she's like, For anything, wink wink, come over to my okay. port sailor, uh <clears> if you got a storm. I I do you think that the uh, I don't know, are they gonna kill each other or fuck? I, frankly
0: I'm asking myself why he hasn't killed her already uh, I, I don't know honestly what he needs with any of the seven at this point um, how would they explain that <laughs> that's the thing
1: other than like oh it would hurt his public image why right. doesn't
0: he just murder a bunch of soups
1: yeah if if she ever gets assigned to go to the Homelander to take down a super terrorist or a super villain I would be on high alert if I were her because yeah. the idea you're just gonna go missing in action is pretty high and uh, tribute for you being sung by Starlight and pretext for uh, ever broadening war. Yeah, no, I can s- totally see that. Uh, so Becca
0: comes back to the bridge where Butcher is and tells him that she's not leaving uh, this compound because she doesn't believe that Butcher wants to be a father to her son. Uh, he lets slip his true feelings about her super freak son. And she says he's too angry and too fragile to trust, essentially. Uh, and leaves after warning him that she has called in the guards.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a lot already, but, like, holy shit, you know, he it's so surface level that just her essentially asking, like, a question, like, you're going to try to uh, off this kid within, you know, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of his life. And he's like, oh, well, why do you even care about that soup-powered shit, Voight, baby, fuck, fuck, fuck? (laughs) Yeah, he just can't help himself. Like... (laughs) It's it's yeah. not buried at all. It's it was right there at the surface and she's completely right. And mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 unfortunate. And it, and then she even makes it clear that it, it's not even a ballot. Like, even if we get past a Ryan thing, you are just fucked in the head. Like, you yeah. know, you're going to if it's if, if if Homelander's dead and Ryan's fine, you're going to get you're going to get a gun pulled at you in some Walmart parking lot on Black Friday because you're just crazy. You've yeah. you got an overdeveloped sense of justice and retribution. And I think she's gotten dead to rights.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Black Noir and the tech find Butcher going over the fence. very quick scene there. Mm-mm. And then Annie and Huey say goodbye after their road trip. And he says they can't get together again because they can't afford to feel good or safe uh, in this world where they're all alone. She's, <laughs> she's getting super jaded. Uh, he was disappointed, obviously. You, another, you know...
1: Hmm. Because I mentioned that these relationships mirror each other. This is a way for Huey and Butcher to connect. Their women have both essentially rejected them because of their involvement in this outfit, and that shared sacrifice might be... I could see a drinking episode where they get some... You know, work through some shit, maybe. They'd have to be mind-bendingly drunk. Just (laughs) blackout. Like, for Butcher
0: to ever reveal anything of himself to Huey... Like, because... Butcher views Huey as this beta cuck, like fucking. He, right. You know he's a a child uh, mm-hmm. in Butcher's mind. I. There's no way he's going to open up to him unless unless he's blind drunk, Then maybe.
1: Yeah. And then you can it's start to build a relationship for... from there. Yeah, it's something they both have in common.
0: You're you're not wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Um another shot fired almond joy with this john Wayne casey comment <laughs> used to hand those out to kids
1: yeah now i'm a fucking mass murderer psycho god yep. that's like i like coconut and almonds all right <laughs> uh yeah and then this we're all alone uh that's the
0: truth it doesn't have to be like that this episode is really hitting home in this moment of isolation here in this pandemic it's like jesus christ we're, we're so divided. We're so f- physically and, and ideologically divided. Come on, people. Mm. Uh, then there's the the final interview with another woman who says she's very uh, a very sexual feminist. It's revealed that these interviews are for the purpose of picking the Deep's new church wife, and he chooses the sexual feminist. Unfortunately, Carol insists it has to be the one with the skeleton story, Cassandra, because it serves his goal of getting back into the seven.
1: I love how this reveal of what it is and like the deeps reactions like, well, pff, case, let's let, let's cancel all the other interviews. Like we found the one right here, uh-huh. right here. Look at this woman. She's made of compound V and sex, apparently. Yep. Uh, yeah. She's like, no, it's Cassandra. Are you, are you talking about Cassandra with the hair and the skeletons? Ah, It's it's fun. And like, yeah, I thought I got to choose Oh, you do. It's just you're making this choice and it's culty as fuck. Oh, God, Um, yeah. How is this going to get them back into the seven? I mean, this, like I said, this is very broadly, very broadly uh, a pastiche of Scientology bullshit. Yeah. Um, And it feels like, because I can't imagine that, that's just such a, a, you know, uh, heart goes out to people affected by Scientology, but uh, it's not nearly as high stakes as some of the other stuff they're doing when it comes to, like, government... You know, uh, fuckery and invasions of privacy and systemic racism yeah, yeah. And, and the inter and the how personal bias and prejudice reinforce those things. Like then you got like this sketch with uh, Scientology and Patton Oswalt singing gills. Like I feel like it's permanently the deep is just comic relief. Uh, yeah, so far. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't even know how they spin this. And because like, there's he's not going to make the seven again. Although I guess I could see a lot of the, the hmm. more seven people dying. A train's already out, right?
0: And and I think it's kind of key that Homelander has some kind of psychological the deep is leverage loyal to over him. the deep, right? Yes, he, he's able yes. to constantly hammer him into whatever shape he wants him in, and I think that's important. Yeah, he to owns Homelander, him. yeah, so I, maybe, I think you're right. Maybe, uh. Speaking of Homelander, he goes to see Madeline again, but he is not in the mood for any of her old tricks, and he claims he doesn't need anyone but himself. So Doppelganger turns into Homelander and offers to suck himself off. Uh, Homelander calls him pathetic, kills him, now claiming he doesn't need anyone at all.
1: You know, I this this thing had me going the whole time, because like every single thing that happened, I'm like, I... I might see Anthony Starr suck Anthony Starr's dick. I might. Hey man. I might. It's why within not? this house. It's within the perf- performance envelope of this show. Uh, it's why. Wi- yeah. It's 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 some wild shit. Uh, the moment he just,
0: turns into Homelander and he's still in that negligee mm-hmm, <laughs> and he's saying mm-hmm. you like what you see.
1: I with the gold earrings. It. It hilarious. Or, it's really funny, and I wonder. Do you? <sighs> Andy star is hard. He's got this way of performing like at three different levels. And I honestly didn't know how close he was to being tempted because yeah, he yeah. is a raging narcissist, which uh-huh. literally is named after this Greek mythology figure that fell in love with their own reflection to the point that they wasted away and died or became planted as a tree or something because they couldn't tear them away. So like it's it's super on uh, brand for him to want to. I don't know. And I can, I can see the battle going on in his head because he's
0: also a homophobe. So, like,
1: and then how and gay Madeline's he think like, this not, is,
0: and he has to reassure himself that it's not, it's not even it's gay,
1: it's masturbation. It's like, yeah, right. No, it, was, it was some wild, and I'm like, also, I felt really bad for the doppelganger because he's just doing whatever he thinks might be. Keep him from getting his necks snapped. Like there's nothing. it's yeah. like this all this fucked up shit. That like, surely he's not into this. He's just doing it because he wants to gratify Homelander. It's got to be terrifying,
0: for sure. Yeah, he's a captive. Uh, but that's it. Uh, that's it for the episode. Uh, I, th- I thought I thought yeah. it was a, a good one. You know, despite not having the big overarching kind of. So,
1: so next stuff. week, if Madeline shows up again, it's got to be a robot or a genetic manipulation or something. Oh, another already- shapeshifter
0: replaced by. I don't know. Shifty. Shifty the superhero who shifts shape.
1: <laughs> Gangrel, Gangledopper is going to yeah. come in, it turns out. Uh, yeah, no, I, I... I, Because he keeps making the same fundamental mistake, though, right? Like, he doesn't say he needs anyone, but he's just gaping black hole of need. And he keeps yeah. killing the things that give him this these surrogates it's, uh, sources of love. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I don't know he'll probably move on just beating the holy hell out of Stormfront or fucking her or something yeah we'll see how it goes yeah I can't wait for next week's episode FX is adapting James Clavel's best selling
0: novel Shogun into a 10 part miniseries this spring Set in the Shogunate period of Japan at the turn of the 15th century, Shogun depicts the rise of a feudal lord to Shogun, as seen through the eyes of a shipwrecked English sailor. It's loosely based on the real life exploits of
1: William Adams and Tokugawa Ieyasu. Shogun has already been successfully adapted back in 1980 with a widely acclaimed miniseries starring Richard Chamberlain featuring intricate plots, political scheming, complex characters, and thrilling action. This time, husband and wife team Justin Marks and Rachel Kondo try to recapture the successes of the novel and early adaptations while increasing the levels of historical and cultural accuracy that are often perceived as flaws of this and similar works.
0: Starring Hiroyuki Sonata from The Last Samurai, Mortal Kombat, and John Wick 4, with Cosmo Jarvis of Peaky Blinders, Raised by Wolves, etc., joining the truly massive cast required to bring this complex world to life. Join Aaron and I each week
1: as we deep dive into each episode, uncovering the mysteries, the intrigue, and the glory of Shogun. Shogun premieres on FX Hulu Tuesday, February 27th at the two part debut. Our podcast will release each Thursday thereafter. Get our Shogun coverage by searching for Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. How you doing, buddy? You... You don't know what it's like out there. Hey, man. Do, do you even know what it's like out there? N- no. N- not really. I've been mostly kind of flying around in helicopters, carving likenesses of Michonne the cell phones, that kind of thing. What is it like out there?
0: Oh, well, I think it's time to find out, man. Last I saw your wife,
1: Michonne, was out uh, following a giant wagon train. That, that sounds pretty weird, but it seems like a family-friendly outfit. I mean, she's got RJ and Judah with her, right?
0: Um, actually, she kind of left them to be raised by... Negan and Daryl? Well, crap. Hold on, let me get my boots. All right, Well, Rick is getting ready, Aaron and I are too. We're preparing to once again recommission the watching dead out of mothball status to find out what's going on with Rick and Michonne, the ones who live. The six-part miniseries premieres Sunday, February 25th on AMC, and we'll be ready with our full episodic coverage each Tuesday. And afterwards, who knows? Maybe we'll check out Dead City. Find our coverage for The Ones Who Live by searching for The Watching Dead or Bald Move Pulp wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Okay, we do have a spot of feedback from the last week. It's going to be, um, since we're recording all these in advance... It's going to be interesting because traditionally something comes out on Sunday, for example, and then we record a podcast on Tuesday afternoon that gives, you know, close to two days for people to give feedback on the present episode to us. Mm. But since we're releasing these literally the second that they drop, um, all the feedback you're going to hear for this episode at the end of the fourth episode is going to be essentially for episodes one through three etc. We're all going to be like one week in arrears on this stuff. But uh, anyway, up front is Kenny from Spokane says they're super excited for us to be covering the boys. Thank you. We're pretty excited ourselves. I was just thinking it'd be interesting to see Giancarlo Esposito's character use the threat to destroy Homelander's public image as a way to control him. Seems like they must have plenty of dirt on him and all it would take is a leaked video to destroy him publicly. There could be some good social commentary on cancel culture. What do you guys think? I guess it depends on how much he cares about that. So far, we've seen that he
0: does care about it, but what are his limits there, I guess?
1: Yeah, because he cares about Madeline up until he burns her eye sockets out. Like, there's a thin line between love and hate, and (laughs) that line, (laughs) when it's applied to Homelander, is is scary. Uh Uh-huh. So... Uh, I do think that, yeah, you you, you got to have a plan to manipulate this guy and to deal with him in a way that doesn't rely on just pretty pleas and soft power. Like, you got to have some power power. And I'm, I'm curious to see how that will reflect. Or maybe not. Maybe it wouldn't be the first time a corporation has, you know, rode to power a bull that ended up goring them to death in some spectacular way. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenny's side question is, who would you guys cast portray the boy's equivalent to video game's beloved Boogerman? Do you remember Boogerman? Vaguely. It's a pretty obscure, I think, Sega Genesis era video game character that I... uh, Here's my dirty little secret. All of the 16-bit video game systems, I I ditched 8-bit and went to PC. So, like, there's a huge gap in my console history from, like, the Nintendo Entertainment System to, like, PlayStation 3. I s- got out of all that stuff in favor of PC, so I don't know Boogerman. Yeah, I was an NES guy. My cousins had the Genesis. Um,
0: mm-hmm. But I feel like the That's name a- is evocative enough that you just cast Paul Giamatti
1: and you're done with it. That's a pretty good Boogerman. <laughs> uh I was going to suggest Badger from Breaking Bad. Yeah. He seems yeah, like that's he could be a one. booger. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening. Robert W. says, you have to imagine that Stan, Edgar, and Vaught have had some kind of backup plan for a rogue super other than just try to talk him out of killing us all. Right? Right? You got
0: yeah, to have a stick
1: to go with the carrot.
0: I mean, Compound V is a synthetic drug that they've created. You create the Superman, you're going to want to have the kryptonite also created right like mm, mm-hmm. at least you know a cautious company would and I don't, I don't know we're talking about like a bunch of leftover nazi scientists and and a <laughs> lunatic so i i don't know what precautions right. they have in place but you know you create the compound you create the anti-compound alongside it yeah. i would hope
1: yeah i mean that's the thing with uh the nazis half of them had syphilis half of them were addicted to methamphetamines and then there's a <laughs> wow there's a, probably a lot of overlap there, too, uh-huh. of meth-addicted, syphilitic, uh, brain-being-eaten kind of types. Uh, Robert continues, I'm hoping to see some kind of Compound V neutralizing yeah. yeah, or some kind of clone trooper-esque brain implant that would at least somewhat even the level playing field against Homelander, or else, uh, even if everything the boys want to happen comes to fruition, Homelander can just kill the president and declare himself king of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, that would be interesting. Some kind of, like, Order 66 mental conditioning that they did as babies that they can, you know... Like a Manchurian in way.
0: anti-candidate, like, kill yeah. yourself kind of thing.
1: I don't even know if Homelander yeah. could kill himself. Uh, cannot self-terminate. No, I, I like an, a compound V neutralizing agent. That would be mm-hmm. very cool. Something that rapidly breaks down the compound in their body and renders them mortal. Um a condition or like or, or like what if you had some kind of literal explosive device like what what could what, what explosive device could sever homelander's c3 four vertebra right i don't like know the, the right shape charge shape charge internally like that that fucked up uh translucent man's diamond skin you know getting something on the inside of him yeah yeah maybe uh, he's got the same weakness yeah but yeah something i i, I gotta imagine that the more powerful the super the Bigger the stick that sit, that Stan holds uh, over their head. He then wants to pivot to what's Vought's explanation for owning all of the country's superheroes. If their cover story is they're born naturally, how did Vought come to find and control all of them?
0: Uh, I don't know that that's true. They control the seven who are by far the most popular. I think you know yeah. guys like uh, Mesmer and and Gecko are out there just doing their own
1: thing. That's kind of like asking, like, how does the NFL own all the country's student athletes? They don't really. It's just they have the team that they all want to aspire. So they yeah. have a huge amount of power in who they platform, who they push down, who's career, who they force in retirement, who they, they're ready to take the next step. Like, I don't think they control everyone, every regional city superhero. It's just they have... All those are essential farm teams for them in exactly the same way that like there's not a literal relationship like the, you know, Nebraska University is not a farm team for the NFL, but they also kind of (laughs) are, especially Nebraska, you know, farm teams. Come on. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) El Skid says, I have thoughts and questions about Homelander, Becca, Butcher and Homelander and Becca's son, Ryan. First and foremost, I think Becca and Ryan live inside a Truman style a fake town. I don't think she was driving in the Vought's installation like I had speculated in episode three. I think she's trying to drive out when she drives up to the checkpoint, the wall curves in towards where she came from, not out around mm. some complex. It also makes sense to me when Homelander asks, what are you going to do when he wants to go out to the beach or to a baseball game? Uh, yeah, I did not. I did not catch all that. And it's made explicit in this episode in episode, the yeah. uh, uh, season two, episode four. So, good eye for that, Elskid. Secondly, what's the nature of the relationship between Becca and Homelander? She's never claimed that Homelander assaulted her. She does say at one point, after what you've done. But it's vague, and I believe intentionally so. We only have Billy Butcher's claim of rape. In season one, where we see the security footage of her entering Homelander's office, I came away thinking she had a fling with Homelander and made it sense to me uh, that Billy could only make sense of it by convincing himself that she was assaulted. Don't misunderstand. If she makes the claim it wasn't consensual, that's 100% truth for me. But I think the show is messing with us by keeping some things vague and establishing facts with a single biased witness. Interested to hear your take on things. Um, it Might be think, made explicit this episode. Yeah. And the other thing is like the I think the show is being cagey, but I my and I, I talked about this a little bit on our um, our live watch on on twitch.tv slash bald move. But I think what they're actually, it wouldn't surprise me at all if what they're going for is that their son's not their son. It's actually Butcher's son. There's some trickery there involving Compound V and switch around and not like literal genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, so i it could be, but it, you know, I, I I just saw the same kind of like they're being intentionally vague about some aspects. But the other thing is like, if you got, if you define a coercive relationship as, like, a, a massive power imbalance and the one party not being able to say, you know, um, say no. Like, for example, mm-hmm. without knowing much about uh, Thomas Jefferson's relationships with his slaves that he fathered children with, most people are comfortable to say that that's a rape. Mm-hmm. Like, even if one of those slaves happened to have feelings for him, like there's no way she could say no to that relationship, right? Same way, like, yeah. when a boss has sex with an underling, it's automatically a coercive relationship. And it makes you ask the question, can Homelander have a consensual relationship with any mortal? <laughs> you know? Sure. Like, like a truly yeah. consensual, non-power imbalance, non-exploitative, non coercive relationship, especially knowing that he's psychopathic and likes to get his way or kill people. Uh-huh. Like... It's kind of like, it reminds me of, um, uh, shit, who's the guy on uh, Always Sunny? The, the implication of Dennis. Dennis, yeah. You know, like, boats are a good move to make moves on a lady because you're out there in the middle of the ocean, you're so far away, no one can see her here. there's an implication. Well, what's the implication, Dennis? You know, like, I feel like the Homelander, the implication is like, yeah, well, you could say no, and you could burn your eyes out of the socket, so can you say no? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're definitely right with what we know about him. I feel
0: like his public image is such that people wouldn't necessarily be afraid to say no to him.
1: Yeah. Like, imagine a groupie at a Homelander show that wants to, for whatever reason, bone down on Homelander. Um, that, I guess, would be a consensual relationship. But again, it's based on the fact that she doesn't know what she doesn't know. Right. right. So, and that he is lying. And so now you're going back to like, would she sleep with him knowing that he's a monster? Probably not. Or at least most women uh-huh. wouldn't. So that it's like you're, it's it's coercion all the way down when you're a demigod, you know? Right, right. Uh, you know, like Zeus. Uh, he shapeshifts into a swan and rape <laughs> and fuck some woman. It's it's still rape, you know, it's it's yeah, we all understand this, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's our take. I, like I said, I think they're being cagey about it. But I think it's because there's something not quite right about Ryan's parentage that they haven't let us know yet hmm. but uh i haven't really seen ahead of that so i this, this is not me like wink wink it's just me playing along um paul i want to add a little bit to the discussion of homelander's racism by pointing out a motif or detail that i noticed we see homelander drinking an absolute ton of milk milk is something of a big deal in white supremacist circles for several reasons first white people are generally much more likely to retain lactose tolerance than most people of colors uh, I did not, not, me. I knew, okay, <laughs> so I knew that this, the, the white milk was a thing about in the, the far right kind of racist contingent. Cause they're all like posing with milk all the time and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't know the, <laughs> the ins and outs. Um, but I, I looked into this and opposed, I, I, supposedly it's true. Like Asians, especially far less lactose tolerant on average than European stock. You from European stock are lactose intolerant. So mm-hmm. I guess you're the gym that proves the rule. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Additionally, milk is often used as a metaphor for race mixing because it's a pure white substance. And if you put even a drop of something dark in it, you supposedly ruin the drink. No one tell them about chocolate milk. Yeah, right? (laughs) You know? Uh Uh-huh. I think there might be other reasons for this choice, like highlighting Homelander's mommy issues. But I thought it was an interesting thing to note. Uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, the mommy issues are the number one thing there, but... Sure. Yeah, but it, it would not surprise me at all if they kind of lean into that, you know, because it's like anytime you can do double, dif- anytime you can do double d- duty and you can mm-hmm. lift more than one plot point with a single thing. That's that's writing economy is what we're talking about right there. So um, that's all the feedback we got for the first couple episodes. If you would like to send us some more, you can do so easily by writing into DHS. Send us an email to DHS at baldmove.com. Uh, we will consider them. And there's a high degree of likelihood that we will read them and consider them on air. So DHS, at baldmove.com, And that will wrap it up for this week's mailbag. But other than that, we'll be back for, are we on episode five already? Sure. Well, getting off of this, the, the first three episodes, fast starts like, boy, we're, we're already at the halfway point and over. Yeah. Uh, two, two weeks into this thing, but we got four, four weeks, the back half, the back nine, uh, the back four waiting for us. Uh, we'll hope you return and join us for next week until then I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya.